Let me say this too quickly before we get in the message this morning. Lady, get signed up for the women's Bible study starting up. And uh, that information is in there as well. Before we do that, how many of you have, uh, uh, like with all, it was interesting. Christmas started before Thanksgiving this year. And everybody decided, hey, you know what, we need to make uh, like black Thursday or Black Wednesday or whatever, and so people started selling it early and doing all that stuff, and uh, I, I love getting gifts, I love giving gifts and stuff, but uh, how, how many know that the Lord probably didn't have all this in mind, you know, that we'd go there and stuff, and so America has a funny way of taking things and personalizing it, making it our own, we've kind of done that, we kind of personalized Christmas to our culture and uh, so I always like to try to find a few things that help us as we come in this time of year and over the next three weeks we'll be preaching a little series here about a living Savior and that's really what this is about. And uh, so I want to start, have this little intro because we're uh, culturally relevant so we have a little rap that will help you this morning as we get going. Dear Tim, we enjoyed a wonderful year of soccer on soccer this year and Mark and I, well we are celebrating our 20th anniversary this March. Best wishes to the new year and on. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Are you from a law kitten? Isn't there a certain person you're forgetting? Beware this rap has explicit lyrics. We say words like Christmas, Christ, and maybe Jesus. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm trying to bring the message that maybe we're just being a little too sensitive. There's a reason for the season, as they always say. There was a young boy born on Christmas Day. And I know this sounds obnoxious, but I'm a little bit nauseous from all these cute little holiday Christmas Day, oh little, oh little town of Bethlehem, yeah that little boy, remember him, it was a silent night and it was by the side, and now we're covering up the star that shows so bright. And yeah. 
out of your minds. Dear everyone, it's Christmas season. That's Christmas with the Christ. Remember that. Merry Christmas. Good stuff. If you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> hey, you out of your mind. That's the only two words I got out of the whole song. <laughs> you know, there's more in there than that. It was good. But think about it. I, I, you know, if we don't stop and think, but that's really what Christmas is all about, is about Christ. Amen? Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And if you would, just reading um, a couple verses, just one verse to you, and uh, verse 15. And it's just short, just a few words. But it says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Indescribable. Look at the cover of your outline. Can you hear the proclamation? For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. If there was ever a day that we need to repeat the sounding joy, it is today. The world around us has lost sight of the true hope that is ours in Christ. God is catching the blame for all a man's mistakes and faults. You ever notice that? I mean, anything goes bad, why did God let that happen? Well, what about the yo-yo that did that? He's the one who is blamed for the destruction behind every natural disaster, every loss of what is perceived to be innocent life. He has been forced to bear the burden of every social injustice and pain inflicted upon humanity by humanity, all because we have forgotten the proclamation of the birth of a Savior. God said to a world, if you went back to Israel that day, there were a world that was oppressed, there was a nation that was oppressed. Jesus came at a crucial time. He brought an answer, but not just to change our world, but to bring hope back into the world. Amen? He didn't just come to overthrow the political system. He didn't just come to lower taxes. He didn't just come to make life better. He came to give man an eternal hope and eternal joy and peace and assurance that no matter what happens in the world, this is not your end. Amen. And so he came to give us hope. Charles Spurgeon said it like this as you look at the inside of your outline there. It is joy to all nations that Christ is born, the Prince of Peace, the King who rules in righteousness. Beloved, the greatest joy is to those who know Christ as Savior. The further you submit yourself to Christ the Lord, the more completely you know Him. The fuller your happiness will become. Surface joy is to those who live where the Savior is preached, but the great deeps depths of the great fathomless depths of solemn joy which glisten and sparkle with delight or for such as know the Savior, obey the anointed one and have communion with the Lord himself. You will never know the fullness of the joy which Jesus brings to the soul unless under the power of the Holy Spirit you take the Lord as your master to be all in all and make him the fountain of your in intensest delight. What a great statement. 
Amen? And so Jesus, God sent His Son, not, not just as a superficial answer, but to actually be the fullness and the joy of our life. As Paul declared in those short few words that we read, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. This is the time of year when we're concerned about choosing just the right Christmas gift to give to the special people in our life. But let me ask you, have you ever received an indescribable gift? Anybody here got one that was indescribable? Some of you got you didn't, weren't sure what it was. And you began thinking how to re-gift it. Or this would be great for the next white elephant party that I go to. How many have been to one of those in a while? Those were always fun, white elephant party. That's where those it wasn't necessarily undescribable, but it was a, a, a something that nobody really wanted to keep or to claim or describe as their own. Praise the Lord. But we've never done that. Have you ever received a gift that was beyond description? Probably not. Think about it. What kind of gift would it have to be to be called indescribable? Would it be a gift that you open and look at and say, this is just beautiful. It is something that I've wanted all my life. What is it? (laughs) That would be indescribable. You look at it, okay, what is that? But... We could probably say it looks like this, it does. Maybe it's a gift that carries a lot of emotional feelings with it. It was given to you by someone very special, and it was a complete surprise. When it was given, you'll treasure it always because of the memories. But what would make it an indescribable gift? Today we have many, you know, amazing gifts. And depending upon what, what your, you know, resources you have to expend and people at all different levels and that, the, the, you know, Volkswagen makes a Bugatti car. I don't know if I ever say it right, but it's the fastest production car in America. If, if you get it, uh, you can go like 220 some miles an hour and you can burn a tank of gas in 17 minutes. And, uh, but at the same time, you went 150 miles. So, so like two tanks of gas in 30 minutes, you're in L.A. <laughs> Theoretically. <laughs> Amen. But if, if you want to change your tires, you can't just go down and get your tires changed. You have to send in the wheels and the tires because the wheels and the tire are actually together and it costs you $200,000 to change your tires. But how many know that that's an opulent gift, that's an expensive gift, but how many know that's not an indescribable gift? There are people that you can go on the internet, you can find there are people who pay $28,000 for a pacifier for their baby. What? That's what I said. What? I mean, you can look at all things that people would spend a lot of money for or do different things for, but, and they're all, you know, beautiful. They're all, those are extravagant, but they're not indescribable. How many would agree? But when God broke into our lives, He did something that was indescribable. Our world is filled with over-the-top gifts, gifts of luxury and of great expense. Such gifts stagger our imagination, but they are not indescribable. Even though we may not be able to find words to describe them, I assure you the manufacturers can, and they'll spend lots of money describing them in TV and newspaper ads. They'll seek to describe them in such an appealing way as to entice you into believing that you simply can't live without it the rest of your life without them. You see it, every human gift is describable by someone. If it was made by man, somebody could describe it. Amen? But Christmas is not about that. And that rap's kind of cool, but let's watch this next video and see what the Christmas story was really about. Try to describe salvation. Try to describe a Savior. What that means. 
what God did for us, what He gave to us in His Son. How many have a hard time articulating who Christ is to you, explaining that, breaking it down, making it, bring it to where people can understand that. But there's something about the fact that we needed a Savior, that everybody needs that hope and that assurance that Christ brings to our lives. And we search, we search, we search and find nothing else can do that. Paul gives us a few reasons here, or we could break down a couple reasons why he would call Jesus an indescribable gift. That verse there that we're reading now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, isn't about Jesus Christ. It's about the church at Corinth and what's happening in, in Asia Minor there is that they were taking and they were receiving an offering. There was a famine in Jerusalem and the people had given just so much that Paul called their gift undescribable for the joy, for the praise, and for the assistance that it was going to bring into people's life. Paul was overwhelmed by their generosity, their compassion and care and their love and concern for those who were in need in Jerusalem and their fellow believers during this time of famine. They acted with such great generosity and that that he called this gift and this an indescribable gift but it's God's love to us that really becomes indescribable and I believe that Jesus is indescribable because of his nature first of all I believe that Paul calls Jesus indescribable because of his nature how do you describe him what words would you choose how do you describe a baby born of a virgin how do you describe God in flesh walking upon the earth and reaching out to the hurting masses. Isaiah said that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. How many know that religion and everything struggles with that? We try to figure it all out and how to bring it down. I was driving home and uh, the other day and, and uh, on, on one of the radio, actually it was Tuesday night, and got out of here late and I turned on and, and uh, I forget what it was on uh, 1530, but it was Amer- something Talk America or something, but it was uh, something Nation, but some guy talking, and he had Uma Thurman, an actress chick, but he, I guess her dad is a philosopher and a college professor, but he's into Eastern religion. And so he brought it all down and he said, you know, he was discouraged with organized religion or with Christianity or, you know, or in a God, and his problem wasn't a God who would judge. Amen. He says, well, I just couldn't believe in that or God who would do this or do that. And so he did, not understanding the nature of God or the character of God or anything about God. So the best thing he did is he's gone. He, he, he uh, believes with the Dalai Lama and Buddhism and that and stuff. So he's hooked up with him. Him and the Dalai are tight. And uh, so I've been friends for, I guess, 50 years or whatever. But the problem was is trying to, how do you explain God to people? That God comes down to men, dwells among men, and the need in a man's life. Jesus is undescribable. And when we try to bring God down to our understanding, God doesn't fit. That's why the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Amen. Faith believes God. Faith doesn't always understand. How many have more understanding than the day you got saved? You just knew that, you know, you come to Christ and go, wait a minute, I, I don't know why I can't explain. I just know that I need to respond, that I need to say yes to God. I need to receive forgiveness. I know that I have sin in my heart. I know that I need to be forgiven. I know that my only answer is in Christ. I don't understand how all this works, but I know, I know in my heart, this is the right thing to do. And then your friends go, hey, what happened? I got saved. And they, what do you mean? And you try to explain it. You go, hey, it is indescribable. I, I can't explain it, praise the Lord. But Isaiah said that he would be called God with us. How do you describe that? What words do you choose? Paul said that we can't. Words are inadequate, but many of the wisest men in the world have tried to describe Jesus. Let me read this description. 
in 451 AD at the Council of Chalcedon, Chalcedon, Chalcedon. I don't know why I got blamed for this, but it was C H A L C E D O N. So anyway, the greatest theological minds came together and tried to describe Jesus. So all these people at this council in 450 AD, they came together to describe Jesus. You ready for the for their definition? Perfect in Godhead, also perfect in manhood. Truly a man, reasonable, rational, soul and body, consubstantial, co-essential with the Father according to the manhood and all things like unto us without sin, begotten before all ages of the Father according to the Godhead, and in these latter times for us and for our salvation, born of the Virgin Mary and of Mother God, According to the manhood, one and the same Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten to be acknowledged in two natures, unconfusedly, unchangeably, indivisibly, inseparably, and the distinction of natures by no means taken away by the union, but rather the property of each neither being preserved. Neither being preserved. How many understand that? Neither do I. But those were the brightest minds of the day describing the Lord Jesus Christ. How many have any idea what we just said? Well, you can't. So Jesus is in, you can't describe him. And that's sometimes what we do today. And the sad part is, is the things we can't describe, we discard. When it comes to God, in our culture today, people are saying our minds today, our educational say, hey, tell me how God, tell me how God. I'm still waiting for the guys to tell me how the Big Bang worked. And the guys are saying there was a thing on Hannity the other night, and the guys showed they have a, the Hubble telescope found out, and, and they saw some air, and they saw some ore, and there just might be water on some planets. Because there's like fog in the atmosphere of these planets. And if there's water, then there could be life. But these are so far away. That there's no way for us to get there. Ever. Because a bazillion miles away. Hundreds of thousands of light years away. But there just might be life. And so that gives us hope that we have a definition of where we came from. In fact, I listened a while back. I have on my iPod some, uh, some teachings and stuff. I was listening to one on, on knowing God. And I got back there and, and it challenges me. Because really the Big Bang Theory is that there was a, in, in the cosmos, there was a great flatulence. Because that's what it says. It says it was an explosion of gas. The giant cosmic fart, and that's where you came from. That's what it was. It was gas. It was a gas explosion. It's a cosmic flatulence in the universe, and it caused life to come out of it. Many times that happens around our house. Life runs. Life doesn't flock. Life that scatters. Can I get amen? No. But we're trying to figure out, man's trying to explain, and we think because we can say I can see it out there, but man's still trying to define. He, his creation is, is indescribable. 
we can't define, we can't give definition to our creation. And I'm not saying that to be silly or just to be funny, but what I'm saying is that sometimes we come up with excuses for the things we can't explain. And we come up with these really crazy concoct, and they're going, well, that's billions of years, that's billions of miles. How do you measure that? Those are just terms. They're, they're beyond comp- those terms are beyond comprehension. But yet people grab a hold of that because man can somehow think of a number, you can write a number, but God says, I am that I am. Moses says, hey, hey, I'm going to go down and deliver them, you're going to deliver them. And Moses says, hey, if you tell me to go deliver them, they're going to ask who sent me, so what do I tell them? God said, that's easy, just say, I am. You am what? What did he say? I am that I am. That's it? There's nothing more? I am that I am. God said, I am not. Listen, God never describes himself. He reveals himself. And you and I, if you've come to Christ, you've found that after you've said yes to the Lord and you're walking, God progressively reveals who he is, the greatness, the expanse, and all that he has for, for us that we enter into through Christ. Amen? So because also, I believe that Jesus is indescribable because of His purpose in coming to the earth. I think Paul called Jesus indescribable because of His purpose in coming. The angels announced to the shepherds, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Think about that. You're just out there shepherding the flock. You're minding your own business. It is amazing that God didn't appear to the greatest nobles. We think God appears to the coolest people. That God chooses the coolest people. He appears to the humble people. He appears to the people who aren't expecting or don't expect to be expected. Amen. Or accepted. But he announced unto you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. When God looked at our world, he knew that our greatest need is not for more wealth, nor better schools, nor even better welfare system. Our greatest need is for a Savior. But there will never be peace on earth until men have been lifted out of their sin and their hearts changed and their way of thinking changed because the Savior has come into their lives. Our greatest need is to be saved from the very flames of hell itself. How many would agree? Let's think about it. People need to be saved. If you had somebody in a desperate situation, in a life-threatening situation, I remember a couple years ago when Ron Luce's daughter was in a plane crash and uh, they were flying from, one, from a, an acquire the fire meeting to another and the plane went down and there was a young man in there who was in the Air Force with him. They cried, only him and Ron Luce's daughter were left alive and he got out and as he was crawling away from the flame, he had burns on his body and severely wounded by that and he heard her cry in the plane. He went back into the flames and carried her out and in the process of getting her to the road because that's what he was trained to do as a soldier he was trained he had been through training so when he heard a cry he was there to put his life on the line to protect the freedom and the lives of others amen even if it meant the expense of his life and so he went in that plane and he rescued her imagine if he just got in the plane and said hey you know really all you need is to believe God for a better job 
or, or anything positive or anything encouraged that, that we think that that... No, she needed somebody to get her out of the flame that were about ready to consume her and take her life. And it could only came by somebody putting their life to an experience. And that's where humanity is today. We needed... God looked at humanity and we, got, we needed somebody who would come into the situation that was literally killing us. That, that, that we were trapped in and no way to get ourselves out and then carry us out. That's why we are in Christ. And we have been born by Him. And He took our sin, our judgment, our pain, our death and nailed it to His cross. And because of His death, we have life. And today, that young lady, because of that soldier's death, she has life. Amen. We need that. Thirdly, I believe that Jesus is indescribable because of the grace. You know, every gift that I give this Christmas will be because of the, the recipient of that gift has some claim on me. You ever think about that? People connected to you have a claim on your life. The claim of connection. You're united to them. We might not like that idea, but that's predominantly how it is. I'll buy a gift from my wife because she's my wife. And that makes life happy. I buy gifts for my children because they're my children. I buy gifts for my grandchildren because they're my grandchildren. We buy gifts for family members because they're family. Connection. That's a claim on that. If I give a gift to feed the hungry or clothe the naked or to take care of the homeless, I do it because deep down inside I recognize that I have a debt to humanity. A feeling of obligation to them. We have all bought gifts for others because they've been kind to us and we're reciprocating for a gift that has been given to us. How many have done that? Somebody gave you something, did something, and you felt like, okay, I, I'm going to reciprocate. I'm going to give back. But think about this. With that in mind, Paul says something remarkable in the fifth chapter of Romans. He says, while we were yet sinners, and in our sin, we were the enemies of God. Christ died on the cross for you and I. His connection wasn't with us as family. We were alienated from God. We, we were estranged from the covenants of the promises of God. But while we were separated from Him, Paul also said there, hey, maybe for a good person someone would die. Maybe for some, but but for, for us, when I was in my worst place, God identified with me and He moved on my behalf and gave His life for me when there was no way that I could claim deserving it at all. Are you with me this morning? So God's gift was not because He feels obligated to give a gift, but because His love is so overwhelming. Think about that. And we do. And listen, there's nothing wrong with, with any of the other... We are connected. We have that bond. We do that. That's our joy. That brings fulfillment and satisfaction into our life. But giving in such a way where there's no connection, where there's no thought of anything being given in return, it's just an overwhelming expression of love, and it's given by grace. Grace is this. When we minister to our homeless community, we're ministering to them by grace. Say, what do you mean by that? It means that they can come in. We're not expecting them to repay. They're doing nothing to receive it. We're identifying with their need. And we're ministering to them at the point of their need. They have no way to repay. They have no way to reciprocate back. We just by grace are showing love to you. Do you understand? And so that's what God does to us. He looked at us. There was no way for us to respond except just to receive the gift and receive that grace into our life. Lastly, I believe that because of His effect upon our life, that's what makes Him indescribable. Now what happens when I receive God's gift? When you and I open your, when we open our gifts, 
Christmas, your life will be different. When you receive the gifts that have been purchased for you by loved ones, this will change your life. Will it change your life and make you different? Or will it be the same as you have always been? No other gift changes us. I shared with the men this morning, and I thought about it, because we were talking about in discipleship, uh, about uh, passing through the cross and death and the resurrection, and that when we come to Christ, it's going through the cross and through death, and that our life in Him is on the other side, living in resurrection. And we think about the gifts of God, or thinking that we're, we're okay, or that somehow gifts validate us. But I, and then I shared, if I if I went out and bought you a brand new Lexus, I go pick out whatever Lexus you want. I buy you a brand new Lexus, and I gave you a Lexus. Would that Lexus make you a better person? Would it add value to your life? Well, maybe you have a car that maybe your car is newer or whatever, more reliable or do whatever. But does, it, but does that give place a demand upon your life? Yes. Because with the give came higher registration than you had been paying before. Higher insurance than you had been paying before. Higher maintenance than you had been paying. Are you with me? So, but, so in order to maintain the gift and keep that, and, and, and the gift didn't make you a better person. It didn't change you as a person. But it placed a demand on you as a person. Maybe have elevated what you had to add to it or to keep it. And that's what God does to us. When we receive Christ as our Savior, it's not just enough that that alone doesn't validate us. Yes, we are saved. Our sins are forgiven. And when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we were talking about it with the men this morning. Just because I pray in tongues, I'm baptized with the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean I'm perfect. It just means I've received a gift. But the gift means I'm supposed to keep myself in the love of God. So there's a registration fee. There's an owner responsibility. There's upkeep that comes with that. How many know you give the wrong person a Lexus in three months, it could be just like the car they're driving? Don't look around. (laughs) Amen. I don't know why I'm picking on Lexus, but I just did. Amen. Anyway. So uh, that doesn't, the gift doesn't make you better. There's only one gift that's ever been given to humanity that changes you as a person. And that's the indescribable gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that we accept Jesus. When we accept Jesus, the indescribable gift of God, that we will never be the same again because how Jesus affects our life. When we receive, we receive the debt cancellation of our sins and the promise to be filled with the Spirit, and our death being given for His life. Think about that. In Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me, turn there quickly. Ephesians 2, chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. I come to Him in death, and He gives me life. What a great exchange. The amazing thing. A gift that changes my life. Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter said this. He says, they're, they're crying out. He preached his message. And then they asked him, what are we supposed to do? And he speaks to them beginning in verse 38. And then Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. 
And they responded and they received. And 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. But we received the debt cancellation of our sins. I am thankful. I don't know about you, but I came to Christ with the history. Anybody else? And the hardest part is, is getting past that. The hardest part is, is releasing that and walking free in your mind and in your conscience. That's where the Bible says there's a lot of things that people can do. And when the Old Testament people would offer sacrifices, the sacrifice would push my sins ahead, but it couldn't cleanse my conscience. And the greatest thing about the gift of God, how do you describe that? I can't describe that, but I now have a clean conscience before God. I'm free. I don't carry that weight and that burden. The devil is the great reminder, but the Lord is the great redeemer. Thank God for that. Amen? And then we're made a joint heir with the Lord of glory. Think about it. His peace that passes all understanding is now ours. His joy that is unspeakable is now ours. His strength that never fails is now ours. His kingdom that endures forever is now ours. How many could say that's priceless? Think about it. For you and I, when we come to Christ, this indescribable gift of a living Savior in our life is a great Benefit to us. God was faced with the great dilemma. Think about it. How shall I communicate my love? If I appear in person, he must have thought. If I stand before the people in all my glory, they'll be frightened. They'll be scared away. They will never feel that they can come to me and talk with me. They'll be much like Moses who stood on the mountain and took off his shoes because he was on holy ground. When God showed up with the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai, he says, Hey, tell everybody to get ready. Day after tomorrow, I'm going to come down. In three days, I'm going to come down. And I'm going to meet with you. And God shows up, the lightnings and the thunder. And then he speaks, and everybody freaks out and runs to the other side of the mountain and says, Moses, you go talk to God. Come back, tell us what he said. And God's thinking, how do I commute? If I, if I, when I come down, I intimidate people. You ever think about that? God is a great intimidator in the natural presence of who he is. So he, he says, I have to come down in a way that people won't run from me, but they'll run to me. So how can I come in that way? What form would I take? If I speak, if they hear the thunder of my voice, they may never grasp the words of my love. If I send down legions of angels, perhaps they will not know how to respond. Maybe they will never be able to experience my love. God said, I know I will send a baby. Babies don't frighten people. Scared the bejeebies out of Herod. Amen? So in the fullness of time, God sent His only begotten Son as a baby. Guys, that's indescribable. There are whole things, and, and even, even in different factions of Christianity today, there are different people who have a hard time with the Trinity. Because they can't figure out, how can God be in heaven, and God be in earth and the Son, and, and then, where's the Holy Spirit during all this? And do that. I say, wait a minute. You are a triune being yourself. You have a spirit. You're a living soul, and you dwell in a body. How do you do that? Well, that's different. No, it's not. You're triune. And God, and, 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 and God comes, and, and we just can't figure Him out. But He's so indescribable, this great gift. And I love everything about the Christmas holiday. It's amazing when you really start doing the research, though, and you find out, and I was teasing during the offering, and it's kind of a joke, but it's kind of sad. There are people today 
who will get mad if you take their wise men out Amen. of their nativity scene. And really our tradition, I love decorate. This is cool. It's not in the Bible, but it's in our church. Are we going to decorate for the holidays? Well, yes, let's put up a manger. Are we going to decorate for the holidays? Are we gonna dec- now, listen, I'm not putting anything down. You come to my house, we have one of those. Years ago, I talked to my pastor. I said, Brotherhood, what do we do about this? He says, well, there's things you do for family and for tradition. Because God instituted the family. And when you bring your family together, one of the hurt, listen, guys, one of the biggest hurts of the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, any time, is that it's supposed, to, it's supposed to be the time when what? Families come gather and come together. We have opportunity. It's, it's a reason to reunite. We're strengthened. We fellowship with each other. We rekindle relationships. It's supposed to be a time of family. How many know God ordained family? And so you do things as family. You have traditions. All of our kids are grown up. They're gone. We, we didn't have to go to the woods this year and cut down a tree. Sean and Dana had to drug through the mud. I've seen all the pictures. They were out there. It's glorious. You have a tree that you have to water. Pray that it doesn't die. You get to clean up after it. Hopefully it doesn't have any bugs. All the stuff that goes with that. When you go to carry it out, it will rain needles all over your house. You'll have three months of getting them out of everything. All that stuff. One year, our daughter Jamie, we had to have a tree that tall. We have a vaulted ceiling that goes up to 14 feet. That tree's 12 feet tall. We had to have a tree that tall because you had to get the biggest tree that would fit inside under the roof. Even though our living room is smaller than the platform right here, it had the ceiling that high, but you had to get a tree that tall in there and stand it up. One year I got the tree in there and then we decided we would decorate. And so over the years, Pastor Sue began to get glass bulbs. One year I got it in there and the tree and the stand and everything else comes down all the glass bulbs break all over the place. But yeah, I stood it back up because uh, family... And we bought more glass bulbs. Then, while I'm digressing here just for a moment, we, uh, our, our tree is all silver. We, Pastor Sue and I like that color right there. We like the gold. We like like that. But our daughter Jamie likes silver. So all of our decorations, everything, are all silver. And now that she's married and they have her own home and they bought their own tree and they're decorating their own house. Do you know what color her tree is? But it's all about family. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to answer the altar call this morning. Pray yeah. through. I just laugh. We laugh. Cody came home for Thanksgiving. He was ready to go back to his house. We laughed. I love telling on my kids. He came back. We were laughing. He, he has a roommate there at college, and uh, Cody's very needy. He likes things organized, unless it's in my house. And uh, <laughs> then, uh, so he gets his roommate, and his roommate, he gets upset about the dishes, and his roommate leaving dishes in the sink. 
I'm thinking, what a great thought not to leave dishes in the sink. And so like he's there, and we're talking Thanksgiving, and we get up, and, and, and in fact, we were having dinner with, with Josh and, and uh, Mitchell and them, so we had this dinner for him before he went back and stuff, and all the guys were there were hanging out. And Cody's going off on his roommate and gets up and leaves his dishes in the thing. <laughs> and he actually puts them in the dishwater that's in the sink that we'd rinse off some dishes while we were cooking. He just sticks them in the dishwasher, doesn't he? Just sticks them in the water and leaves them. I said, what are you doing? Well, there's already dirty dishes in there. I said, but you just chewed out your roommate. It's all about family. <laughs> but it's funny, I'm just saying when they grow up, they change. Somebody need to hear that. So now you get to enjoy looking back, praise the Lord. So why? God said, I'm going to send them a son. He's indescribable. The good news is, is that you don't have to be able to describe him to accept him. There's no way to describe what Paul declared was indescribable. I can only begin to declare the depth of God's love for us. And the only means he could express it so that we could receive it in the gift of his son. Bill, if you'll come back to the keyboard. And I love everything about it. I love it. I tell my kids today, I, I love this stage in my life. I'm in spectator mode. Amen. I fulfilled my responsibility in raising you, help you do that. But. I love seeing them go up. I love having them. I'm glad some of the things we, we didn't get to see the manifestation of some of these things in our life while they were with us. But it's manifesting in their homes. I'm glad he's neat. I'm glad my daughter likes gold. <laughs> I'm glad she, find, she finally got it. She finally likes gold and he's finally neat. It's awesome. We sowed that into them. Amen. It's taking fruit. Glory to God. But sometimes I believe, especially at this season, I think we've described God poorly. If this is how we describe Him as a nation, as a culture, I think we've done our God a disservice. If we describe Him just as a gift, just as a blessing, just as something small that's been reduced down to enrich just my life, then I've described someone who's supposed to be indescribable. And I just want to encourage you at this season, take your description off of him. Go back to that place where you think about the shepherds. Go follow the star you'll come to a manger there you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes a manger in Israel was not a wooden if you go there you find most of them are little caves cut out they may have a little extension but pretty much they're caves in the hills and in the rocks there and that's what they would have as their barn or their manger area and the animals covered in underneath there so you go in this humble place. God sends his son to a humble place in the beginning. In a way that people can't describe. Born of a virgin. How do you describe that? God says, when Gabriel came, the power of the Most High will come upon you. 
and overshadow you and you will conceive. Remember this season to let the power of the Most High come upon you. Because you and I can still conceive the truth of who He is in all of His glory. And I think about that, that those wise men who saw that star traveled that far to come there to worship. Describe how, how do you explain it? How do you make it understandable? You can't. But there's something that they knew that a king had been born. And for you and I, we worship the king of glory. Amen? The king, bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank you. Lord, today I pray for each and every one of us. Lord, if we have in some way brought you down to be describable in our lives, if our heart to know you and our desire to understand you and Father has somehow brought you down to a place where we could describe you, help us to take that limit off. Help us to keep you as the one who is beyond description, the one who is so great that when Moses desired to see you, the best you could do for him was to allow him just to see the trail of your glory. But that changed his whole countenance. He came away with his countenance changed from that encounter with you. Father, let us have such encounters with you that out of our desire to know you, We don't describe you. We allow you to reveal who you are. While you're praying here today, maybe you've never come to that place where you accepted Christ. Maybe you in some way have described what it means to be saved. That if I just do this little check off list, I'm okay with God. But in doing that, you really haven't received the life that He gave you. Salvation is indescribable. It's new life. It's resurrection. You're raised in newness of life. And you're here today, but you've never accepted Christ and His life. While we're praying, maybe you'd say, Pastor, today I need life. I don't have to understand it. I don't have to have it explained. It doesn't have to be something that I can describe or comprehend. I believe that a Savior was born for me. And that's all I know I need. I need a Savior. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You'd say, raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray with me today. I need a Savior. Anybody at all? Hallelujah. Amen. Father, I thank you. We believe in you. We trust you. We know your grace is greater than what we can comprehend. So we bless you today. We thank you for the indescribable gift that is your son. Well, we're praying if you're here today and Teresa had a word of knowledge. and If you're here and you have a these four areas here. Fibrous type tumors or growth. If you're battling diabetes. If you're wrestling with carpal tunnel disease. 
or if you have problems in your marriage and you're struggling, then we want to pray for you. Or if you need any other prayer in any other, I'm going to ask our elders and leaders to come. We want to pray for you quick before we dismiss this morning. Not quickly, we just want to agree with you and minister to you. If you need prayer this morning, if that's you, and dealing with tumors and, uh, and areas like that, and uh, sometimes ladies deal with fibroid tumors and those type of things, it could be that area. If you have doctors told you about diabetes, if you're having issues with carpal tunnel in your life, and uh, anything with relationship, God's a great healer. He's a great healer. He is an indescribable gift. How is it that God would speak? How is it God would care? How is he going to do it? I don't want to describe it. I just believe. I just believe. We believe and we receive. Amen? Hallelujah. Stand with us just for a moment. Just worship the Lord while we're praying. I want to just take your time. Sometimes we worship God and we pray. When somebody else is singing, when we sing along, would you just take a moment while you're standing there, would you just thank God in your heart, in your life, for His indescribable gift to you? Would you just think about how amazing it is? Maybe you've been saved for a while, and you look back, and you're unwrapping this great gift of life and family and everything that happened. Just think about it. God, you're so amazing. Think about His restoration. Think about His forgiveness. And if you, if you had to describe it, you can't. You just know that you've experienced. You know that He's loved you. But just take a moment to say thank you. Just to worship Him. Just for you. Out of your words from your heart. Not being led by anybody else. But just thanking God. For His goodness. For His grace. Father, You're, you're amazing in our lives. You're indescribable gift to us, Father. We bless You today. We thank You. We think about all that You've done, God. We are so amazed. We are amazed. Our friends and people around us say, How can you believe? How, how can you do that? How can you? Well, I can't describe it to you. I just know that He is. I, I could tell you my life. I could tell you my story. And maybe it would be hard for you to believe, but that's because He's an indescribable God. He's beyond my comprehension. He's beyond my fears. He's beyond my failures. He's the restorer. He's the healer. Now, I could tell you what He's done. I, I, I could tell you about His goodness, but I can't describe Him. But I know that He is. And I believe in Him. He's changed my life. I know I have new life. Thank you, Father. We bless you today. We worship you. We honor you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are so amazing, God. We worship you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you.